To another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host Marcus, and I'm your host B. Reed. Baby, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Happy football's back. It's gonna be complete this tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. I mean, had had a little teaser of college football this uh, this past weekend. Um, I thought there was some good games on. You know, I didn't watch, but. The only game I watched was the Oregon LSU game or Oregon uh, Auburn game because uh, I was in, I was in Mexico chilling on the beach, so uh, caught just that game. South Arizona, I don't know if that's even considered Mexico. Yeah, don't offend our Mexican viewers, okay, <laughs> or listeners, I should say. Um, but not not really a lot of uh, big matchups to see. Um, but yeah, uh, LSU and, and or, or, I don't know why I keep thinking about LSU. Auburn and uh, Oregon um, was a pretty good game that Oregon should have won and just let it slip right through their fingers um, and or got the upset. The legend of Bo Nix took it right out of their grasp. I mean, he definitely made a hell of a throw at the end of the game. He, uh, you know, he reminds me a lot of um, Brett Favre. Uh, <laughs> Here you go with this shit. <laughs> I just like that that can be our inside joke for every episode. Uh, but no, man, like a true freshman coming out there slinging it like that and to make a throw at the end of the game with six or nine seconds left, um, you know, that was gutsy play call, and, and he made a perfect throw. But what a game. But in reality, who he does remind me of is Colt McCoy. He's like the Auburn version of Colt McCoy. So, I mean, it's pretty impressive. I like to see kids that want to go to a university all their lives and – you know, purebred, and then they get there, starting quarterback. Uh, Hollywood story, and he has the name, Bo Nix. It's a great, great name to be a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, grew up rooting for Auburn, and, and, you know, there's pictures of him with the national championship team, or he was in the stands for that game. So, good story. Um, Other than that, what else stood out to you over the weekend? I mean, you know, you got the Florida State getting upset by Boise State, scoring zero points in the second half. You had Tennessee getting upset by Georgia State. Was it Georgia State or Georgia? Was it Georgia State? Georgia, Georgia State, yeah. Yeah. They got up. Tennessee got upset by Georgia State. I think Georgia State only had a football program for like the past, what, 10 years or some shit like that? <laughs> Something ridiculous. And Tennessee ought to be ashamed of them damn selves. And I, I get it. First year on a new coach, but man, that. that nah, there's no excuse for that. No excuses for a team that like legitimately is not a good football team. You you were a three touchdown, four touchdown favorite, and you lost. Um, pretty damn embarrassing. Yeah, they just really came out. I mean, SEC schools. There, I think these bottom tier SEC SEC schools are keep feeding into the hype of we're the best conference and the crutch of we have to play such a powerhouse schedule. Yeah, you're right. But if you're not beating the winning the games that you're supposed to win then playing that tough powerhouse schedule means nothing. Yeah, I know the rankings keep saying they got the toughest schedule, but when you're losing to the Georgia State, to these non-conference teams before you even get in your conference, that really shows where your team is. It doesn't. I just think the SEC is so top-heavy, and they get so much respect just from being in the league with Alabama and Georgia and Auburn at times. 
But the bottom half of the SEC has been terrible for a while. Oh, I agree. I mean, you look at Arkansas barely beating Portland State. Um, and, you know, it, the, the score is different from the actual game. I mean, the, they did not play well. Um, and, the bottom, yeah, you're right. The bottom half of the SEC just looked very below average. I mean, you know, there's, there's basically two, maybe three good teams in the SEC, both on the east and the west side. Um, but the rest of the rest of the conference is absolute. But there's no doubt about that. Yeah, like I said, usually you got Alabama. That's always going to be good. Georgia's always going to be a contender. Then you got Florida, who alternates with maybe Tennessee, not Tennessee, uh, maybe another team. Like Florida's up and down, but there's never a, a time. Well, I'm not going to say never, but I'd say since like '06, where SEC was at its peak dominance '06, '07. There haven't really been a time where there's been more than four legit contenders in the SEC. And that's probably better than any other conference. But we act like the SEC from top to bottom is just the most competitive league. There there has been years where where it has been that case where, you know, for like I said, Arkansas was the worst team in the SEC West, and they were still a very good team winning seven games, six games. Um, you know, so there are teams. I mean, we're not talking about championship contention year in, year out for the bottom half of the team, but there are years where, you know, particularly the SEC West, I mean, going through Clemson, Mississippi State, or sorry, Clemson, going through Mississippi State, going through um, Arkansas, going through Texas A&M, going through Miss, Ole Miss, you know, under Hugh Freeze for a while. I mean, that, that was not an easy schedule at all. Well, I mean, I agree. I agree when it was at its peak. I'm saying today, I'm saying that the SEC is carrying over a stigma that is, I don't believe is no longer relevant. You know what I mean? There, I don't know. I might have been off when I said 07. Maybe as late as 09, 2010. But that, is, that has not been the case for a long time. I mean, if we look at their losses this week, they lost to, uh, like, let's see, Missouri lost to Wyoming. Um, Arkansas was in a heated battle with Portland State. South Carolina lost to North Carolina. Georgia State beat Tennessee. Uh, you know what I mean? Like even Mississippi State was in a barn burner with Louisiana. The score was thirty-eight to twenty-eight. Memphis dominated Mississippi, even though it was fifteen to ten. They pretty much controlled that whole game. Uh, Kentucky didn't look great against Toledo. I mean, there was just a lot of games in that. You know what I mean? It just you don't see that dominance. If you look at ESPN, you would think that the SEC would be more dominant than they showed in this first week. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, we but we've known that for a while. It's basically Alabama and everyone else since probably what 2012 um, when Cam Newton or 2011 when when Auburn was going back and forth with them or or LSU was able. You know, but since then, yes, I would agree for at least. The last five, six years, the SEC has been nothing but a bullshit conference with, with you know, two to three, and at times, like you said, four very strong teams. Did you check out but, any of Jalen Hurts? Uh, what were you going to say, but? I do want to say that's still better than the stanky-ass Pac-12. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean. <laughs> but, yeah, Jalen Hurts looked like he's on his way to a Heisman Trophy. Um, accounted for over 600 yards, or was it 500? 500 yards? Uh, 500 yards. Five And threw six touchdowns. Um, no, nah, nah. yeah, Three running touchdowns. Six touchdowns. Yeah. So, um, you know, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I think great. I talked about this last podcast. That's what I was kind of saying about Hurts. Everyone was questioning his throwing ability, saying he's not accurate. 
and which he did show some inaccuracies throwing down the field in this game also. Um, I never expected him to be Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, but what I did say is he does something that neither one of them either could do or Willie was willing to do. Baker Mayfield would try to do that, but he didn't have the speed and explosiveness that Jalen had, and Kyler Murray was protecting himself. He actually turns it upfield. And he's a running back in a quarterback's body. They're, they ran a lot of, like, counter-run plays. It's a new toy that Lincoln Riley hasn't had. And ha- and that's kind of what his offense is designed to do. That's how he's wanted his offense to look for a large portion of the time. He wants it to be run heavy, do a lot of different types of trick run plays, and then throw the deep pass. So I wasn't surprised at all of what I saw from um, Jalen Hurts. That's what I expected. They were padding his stats a a little bit, but I think they're going to have an active effort to try to make him a Heisman Trophy winner. And if he looks anything like he did um, on on Monday, Sunday, I mean, he's going to be a top candidate. I mean, he's already like a favorite favorite now, tied. I think it's three-way tie for the favorite. Yeah, um, and, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what happens with Oklahoma. I'm excited for um, how the Big 12 plays out. Oklahoma-Texas looks like it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, but other than that, with, I mean, it was a pretty standard weekend. There was just a ton of games. The Notre Dame game wasn't any good, um, although Notre Dame got pushed by Louisville more yeah, than they to wanted say. to, I'm sure. Louisville looked good. If It just looks like their quarterback was young, but their quarterback is going to be dynamic at some point in time because their quarterback looked good. If they could have just held on to the ball, they may have been able to give Notre Dame a better game. I even like the quarterback from Houston, um, Dariq King. Um, he just waited way too late to really start using his athleticism. Um, we could be seeing two dynamic receivers in the NFL soon because those dudes are very explosive. Yeah. Uh, I have a quick question before we get to this weekend's game of football. Um, so your cousin, uh, the <laughs> coldest to ever do it, Crawford, uh, has six uh, full scholarships waiting for him. I have questions. Six? What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. The coldest to ever do it, Crawford? You haven't heard of this gentleman? No, I have not. High school cat somewhere in Georgia. Okay. One of your folks that named him the coldest, <laughs> and his middle name is to ever do it. Oh, yeah. I just saw a clip of it. I didn't really pay attention to it. <laughs> He's got like five or six D1 scholarships already. With a name like that, right, A, you got to be from the South, and B, uh, is that a future Alabama player? Uh, man, I, I, I don't think he's going to go to Alabama, but... Dude, what is up with these names, man? It's like it's getting like we're getting into a generation. Like we had the little Jordan Humphrey. And now we're getting <laughs> now we're getting coldest to ever do it. We just the puts, coldest. The coldest Sorry. to ever do it. Yeah. Which just puts uh, enormous expectations on a child. <laughs> Cause if you're not the coldest to ever do it, man. Can you imagine walking up to that cat, you know what I mean, in like a uh uh you know, you going to do your taxes? Turbo tax, and you know, you walk up, and all of a sudden, you see uh, the coldest there. And you're like, the coldest? Yeah, are you the to coldest accountant ever? Are you the coldest tax preparer that I've ever seen? I mean, I'm a. I just want I, <laughs> black people quit doing this to you folks out there. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot I saw that on Instagram. I saw a little clip, and the clip said, uh, he better live up to expectations with a name like that. <laughs> That's no, all the clip said. Lil Jordan and the coldest. Um, anyway, man, let's get to this weekend's games. We do actually have a couple really good games um, going on, and I legit—I literally mean a couple. But um, <laughs> So you've got LSU in Texas, and then you've got – um, and that's that's the nightcap, and then you got Texas A&M, Clemson to kick off the day. So everyone else is playing a pretty booty schedule, but at least you have two really good games, or what should be really good games, uh, to watch this Saturday. Anything in particular looking forward to? I mean, that, that Texas LSU game is kind of tough for me, just because um, I actually like LSU more than I like Texas, but I need the Big Twelve to beat the SEC because the Big Twelve is literally at this weakest point. Um, this year like there's not a lot of good teams in the big 12 iowa state was probably one of the better teams and they went into like triple overtime with idaho or somebody somebody like that last week so i want lsu to beat texas because i hate texas but i kind of need texas to beat lsu just looking at the game film i mean i think lsu is going to be a tough matchup for texas just because their speed on defense um, that should be a really good game. And then when you're looking at Clemson, Texas A&M, I really don't have a lot of faith in A&M, but I don't know how good tech, um, Clemson is as of right now. Um, Texas A&M is just living off that they almost beat them last year, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. Now you have a veteran team coming back that's coming off a championship and beating Bama. I just don't know if that's going to be the game that everyone's making it out to be. But I do see a couple of other games that are going to be underrated on the schedule. I really like that Oregon-Nevada game. Nevada looked a lot better than um, people thought they would. And they that Oregon team, I'm not sure how good that Oregon team is. So I think that'll be a sneaky good game. Um, there's one more I was looking at too. Uh, let me see. I'll do you one that I think is going to be a pretty under the radar uh, good game if you got if you got nothing else going on. Um, <laughs> and I forgot. Oh, Nebraska, Colorado. Um, Colorado has kind of turned things around over the past few years after being one of the worst programs ever. And uh, Nebraska finally moved in the top twenty-five. We'll see how good their coach. Uh, what the hell is Scott Frost? You know, this second year is his program. Um, Bad start you know, to that, the season. What's that? I said they had a bad start to this season. They well, they they didn't look good, but no, really, no one did. But I think Nebraska is going to be a, a team that that really, you know, the Big Ten is really trying to bump up and pump up because they they need that division to be strong. Because you think the SEC has been bad. Good night. Don't look at the Big Ten. Yeah, and I, I also I, the game I was talking about was Cincinnati Ohio State. Now Ohio State is expected to blow them out. I think they're like a sixteen point favorite on an early game. But I thought Cincinnati looked pretty good last week, so I'm interested to see how Cincinnati does against the Ohio State team that struggled a lot last year again in these lower-tier games but managed to close it out at the end. The scores were not indicative of the struggles that they had, but Justin Fields looked really, really good um, in that game. So maybe he can take Ohio State to the next level, but I would like to see how that offense looks against a little bit more competition and stepping their game up. So that's another sneaky game. But, yeah, you're right, man. The big games, you have a couple. The really big game is Texas A&M Clemson. Do you think Texas A&M has a chance? I mean, I do. 
Um, any Jimbo Fisher coach team typically does. Um, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I, you know, Clemson lost a lot of talent last year, a lot of it. So, yeah. um, and, and that kind of showed a little bit as everyone, you, you know, I'm with you in, in the sense that I try not to put too much in the first couple games of the season. Um, that's why they do a lot of these cupcake games, but, uh, you know, games that unless you're Tennessee, you probably won't lose. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't super impressed with Clemson uh, to start the season. So yeah, I mean, I think it, it, this early in the season, Texas A&M could win this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't have that much space and um, that much faith in Mons. Um, I just don't know a lot about Texas A&M. Not enough for me to just be like, hey, they can beat Clemson. I know that Clemson struggled a little bit starting out, but they turned it on late. That running back is a definite. Definite uh, Hosman candidate. Um, what is it? I, Efert? I can't pronounce his name. I always Etn. Etn. That's what his name is. Yeah, Etn looked really good. Trevor Lawrence didn't look that didn't look that good, but I mean, I think he'll figure it out. Just early season jitters, maybe a little rust on him. I just, I, mean, I think Clemson is just better. They're a better, well-rounded team, Jim. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I think this is gonna be a blowout, man. I don't think it's gonna be close. Cause one thing about it, whenever you have teams that almost beat a team that they're not supposed to, that team comes in with a lot of confidence. But also, the team that they almost beat knows that the game was closer than it should have been. So they may be wanting to come in and prove a point. And I think that's what you're going to see from Clemson. They're going to come and announce themselves and show that they're the team that everyone thinks they are, that they deserve to be the number one team in the nation. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to have my eyes glued to the TV for those two games. Um, you know, I love seeing big big games this early in the season. I, you know, there was kind of a bummer that we didn't get more of that last weekend. But um, for an official kickoff weekend of NFL and college, man, um, to where now my Saturdays and Sundays are locked up, you and I talk about it. Uh, old lady, please don't bug me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know. And then you got the Monday night games where my Oakland Raiders are going to uh, whoop up on your division champ, Denver Broncos. So, um, Yeah, yeah not a lot of people are believing in the Broncos. And I might back up off it, but as of right now, man, I'm feeling good about the Broncos pick, man. Now, like I said, everyone is jumping on that Chiefs bandwagon. But I looked at the Chiefs schedule. The Chiefs, I mean, everybody in the division has a tough schedule because I think they're playing the AFC South and the AFC East. I want to say no. They're playing the AFC North and uh, NFC South. You sure? Because I, I I thought they played the uh, Texans, uh, Jags. The um, oh, you're right. Sorry, I was yeah. looking at the wrong thing. You were correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. And then that, you're probably looking at the division winners. They play the division winners from that team. Because, um, but yeah. Uh, that that AFC South and that AFC East. That's a tough schedule in itself. And then they play the Ravens. Hold on, no, I'm, I'm backwards. AFC South and the NFC North. I think we both were saying the same thing. So AFC South and NFC North, yeah, because yeah. they play the Bears, they play the um, Packers, Vikings, all that. Yeah, but they play the Ravens and they play the Patriots. That's what I'm yeah. talking about with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's what makes the Kansas City Chiefs schedule so hard is because they already you already got the Vikings, you got the Bears, then you got the Texans, Colts, uh, Jaguars, and then you throw in the Patriots and the Jags. If that division is close, playing the uh, Patriots and the Ravens, I mean, that could be big 
in that in determining and having this a team like the Broncos is going to play a little lighter schedule just because of the divisions that they have to play. I like the Broncos chances, man. Like I said, if, if nothing else, the Broncos would at least be able to play defense. So you got a few good matchups uh, this weekend, but I, I don't really want to go through game by game or pick out the game. I mean, I'm excited. Hold on, hold on. We and... can't start talking about the NFL and not talk about Zeke getting the bag, man. Zeke? 90 mil, 50 mil guaranteed. Um, so, I mean, basically, he's going to get that nine, that 50 mil, and they're probably going to let him walk after, uh, or they're going to cut him after 2023 or whatever it is. Nah, that definitely not gonna cut him. He's only gonna be like twenty seven years old, but it's just unprecedented that he's gonna get sixty three million dollars in the first four years. So he's gonna get twenty eight million dollars up front this year. Next March he gets nine million dollars, and then he'll get his thirteen million dollar contract, whatever bonuses. I mean, his nine million dollar contract, whatever comes with that. So he'll get like eighteen million next year. <laughs> See, that's that's just a crazy amount of money for a running back. In the next two years, he's gonna collect on forty six million dollars. So he's guaranteed $50 million, but he's going to collect on $46 million of it in the first two years, which is just insane. He's now the highest played running back in history. That's four years that, that he's going to get his money. He's getting 50 up front, which essentially makes it a $63 million contract. Um, that's more than the $60 million that uh, Todd Gurley got with the 50 guarantee. That's more than the $52 million that Le'Veon Bell got. And then if he's still productive at the end of that four years, he still has another, like, 50 he can he can get. That That is an insane contract for a running back. I disagree. I, I think it's a deserved contract. I think that uh, – No, I'm not against know. it. I'm just saying that is is crazy. That's a crazy amount of money because even when Todd Gurley got his four-year 60, 50 guaranteed, I mean, Zeke can make $100 million out of this contract. For a running back, $100 million? There's nothing to say that Zeke will not be productive at 27 where he could play out at least another two – one or two of those years and those years are like 15 16 million dollars a year so he can collect on 80 to 90 million of this contract as a running back that is nuts you don't think that's nuts i i'm happy for him i mean i i shit for me it makes sense because those those motherfuckers stink without zeke so i agree i, agree. I mean it's pay, what else are they gonna do pay the man yeah, the and i think the running back should be paid anyway so yeah, I, just, I mean, you're the one that always down running backs and say running backs don't win a Super Bowl. You can win without skill positions, this, that, they and other. So how do you don't. agree with a running back getting $90 million? Because I also hate how they run these cats into the ground and don't pay them. I, yeah. like that, that is truly like what – as – Someone who would be a GM, like I would, I would, I see why they don't pay running backs. Like, don't trust me, the value of the running back is bad. But from a human being standpoint, like these cats are in the in, in the NFL for four years, six years, and then discarded. And you know, I'm I'm for them getting every single one of those dimes. Don't matter to me. And the Cowboys are just giving out money right now to everybody, everybody. Uh, the one thing I respect about Zeke is one thing that I hate about NFL players is that I don't feel like they can ever take strong stances like NBA players. And Zeke just did it. He used his leverage. He wasn't going to fold. I think Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones realized he was not going to fold. And he had an agent. He listened to his agent. He stayed quiet. He just relaxed and let them suffer and said he, he has a number. He's not coming in. And it ended up being good for both teams, both because the Cowboys can say, hey, 
with the money that's on the books, this actually is a $12 million contract. And then Zeke can say, hey, in the first four years, just like Ty Gurley, I'm going to be getting 63. So it's actually 15.7 million a year. And both people, both sides can spin it however they want. But at the end of the day, they came to an agreement. And I applaud Zeke for standing strong, using his leverage, using his negotiating power to get the contract. It's something that Le'Veon tried to do, which he did in a sense. He didn't get Zeke money, but I think he set the precedence for you know, Zeke to do this. He just chose the wrong team to do that shit with. Steelers weren't, were never going to pay him. If he would have been with any other team, he probably would have got what he was after like Zeke did, but he just <laughs> he picked the wrong team to be fucking with uh, somebody, in case but, of Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, but somebody got to be the sacrificial lamb. I think he was the sacrificial lamb to stand up for the running back position and say, no, we are not just going to keep accepting. So you can say whatever you want about Le'Veon and his little Instagram posts and however he acts. He was the one that took the stand for the running back position to put running backs in this in, uh, in this position because a lot of the reason why they signed Ty Gurley to that um, four-year, $60 million contract is because they didn't want to go through the Le'Veon situation. And now Zeke has turned around and do, done the same thing. <laughs> Boy, Melvin Gordon, he's trying. He's trying his little heart out. The problem he has, he has that injury history working against him, man. And that's going to be the Chargers the tough. can win without him, and he also picked the wrong organization to do that with. Yeah, as, as the Chargers are notoriously cheap, and they will not pay him. Yeah, they they will let you go. They are not going to overpay. The Chargers are not going to overpay anyone. Um, I think it's in the best interest for Melvin Gordon to just get back in there and play. Because at worst, if you play out this season, you'll at least get the franchise tag. And he's not like Zeke. He's not playing for $3 million this year. That was Zeke's problem. Zeke got some bonus money or something. But he was only playing for $3 million this year. So I understand Zeke. You're not going to take... Well, Zeke was a top five pick. So, he yeah, there was, there was other things tied to his pay. Yeah, so... Uh, well, no, because he gets $9 million next year. It's something funny. He must have got some money pushed up last year or something because he shouldn't have been getting $3 million this year. He had some bonus money pushed up or something like that. But he was going to play for 3 because it shouldn't go $3 million, then $9 million. So he had to have some bonus money pushed up last year in order for his base salary because he's playing for his base salary this year at $3 million. Next year it would be $9 million. But Melvin Gordon's not paying playing for like $3 million. I can't remember. I think it's like seven or $8 million that he's playing for. It's like $330,000 a game. So he'd be better off just going ahead and playing the season. You see the running backs that have gotten paid. Now the running backs are Ty Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Zeke. Now if they franchise tag you, you're going to be in the 13 to $14 million range. You're going to set yourself up or they're going to have to let you go. So why not just go ahead and go, go in, go play the season, get your value up. He can't sit out like Melvin Gordon. I mean, like a uh, Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell had a franchise tender that he did not sign, but he had already played his last year of his contract, one franchise tag year. So I don't understand what Melvin Gordon's leverage is. Yeah. And like I said, they can win without him. So <laughs> Yeah, I think that he's in a he's in a tough spot. We'll see how that uh, is resolved. But I don't think he's going to start. Um, you know, the first few games of the season might wait to, till week six or whatever their deadline is. Um, but I doubt the Chargers pay him, and I doubt anybody trades for him. Uh, 
Um, yeah, there was know, a story that the Eagles offered Jordan Howard in a mid-round pick. They're definitely not getting a first and fifth and round fifth. pick. And right. you have to re-sign the dude to $13 million a year and probably put a four-year $13 million a year contract with some guaranteed money up front. I don't think they're getting all that. I mean, if they really want to end the situation, this, a lot's going to depend on how Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson look in these first couple of games. So, Antonio Brown was fined $53,000 by the Oakland Raiders for um, not showing up to practice and, and missing practice a couple di- a couple of times or mandatory meetings. Um, he posted that on Instagram and said that everybody's trying to hate. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of this, man? Like, as a Raiders fan, I want to see him on the field, but, man, I'm already tired of this shit. Like, I am tired tired of hearing antonio brown's name i'm tired of hearing his mouth like i am tired of antonio brown already and he hasn't played a single down for the raiders yeah i think mike mayock's tired of him too because mike mayock doesn't come from this football culture and dealing with antics mike mayock comes from tv and if you've seen mike mayock he's a harsh judge he just want people to go in there perform play football like he has a black and white it's this simple like he's talented come here play so i think this is a sign are uh, a warning to Antonio Brown and saying, hey, we're tired of putting up with this. I mean, if you see doing, when all these antics was going on, Mike Mayock was not on Antonio Brown's side. That was John Gruden because John Gruden understands the game. I don't know that Mike Mayock fully understands the game and how he has to cater to these players and cater to these players' egos, and he doesn't want to do that. So these fines, yeah, sending a message, but then again, you just re-signed Antonio Brown to a rather big contract. Do you really want to piss him off right now? So I don't necessarily agree with these petty $54,000 fines. I mean, we know notoriously that the NFL and teams don't collect on these fines. That's why players sit out. That's why Melvin Gordon's going to sit out and Zeke's going to sit out. Nobody's going to go back and collect on all this money that's supposed to be fine. But do you want to piss off your best player? And I think that's what Mike Mayock's doing. And it's dangerous with a person like Antonio Brown. He's like T.O. He could tank your whole team chemistry. Super unfortunate to hear that. But um, like I said, all is well if he plays well. I don't want to talk about this too long just because I'm, I'm over Antonio Brown. One thing I do want to talk about in regards to the Raiders, though, so everybody's disappointed that uh, Hard Knocks was a quote-unquote boring season, um, the most boring ever or whatever. <laughs> and, and now I'm not a huge Hard Knocks guy, so I don't really watch it year to year. I don't think I've ever really watched it outside of a couple episodes here, a couple episodes there. But I agree. It was boring as hell. If I wasn't a Raiders fan, I would not have watched. However, do you think that that's more to the fact that the media, like everyone you talk to in the, uh, or you listen to in the media, any kind of, I don't care if you read, if you're reading articles, I don't care if it's ESPN, I don't care what it is. These people hate the Raiders for some reason. They just do, and and so people were expecting this to be a real circus of a, yeah. of a of a show, and all they found out was that oh wow, Oakland is uh, turning into a, a well run and uh, say what you want about John Gruden, it seems like he you know at least is a uh, a stable coach whether or not he's a good coach still remains to be seen but he's not the clown that everyone thought th- that's not the clown show that people thought the Raiders were going to be and that bored them 
I agree. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why the Raiders were selected. I mean, it's not like the Raiders volunteer for this. I think it's something like they pick like three teams or something like that. But this isn't something that you can choose to do. The NFL forces right. us upon teams. And mm-hmm. coming off of, I don't know, I think last year's Browns was pretty exciting just because you had the number one pick. You had Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is kind of a personality. You had Jarvis Landry, who's a bit of a personality. So Hard Knocks was a little bit more exciting last year with the Cleveland Browns. So I think it's kind of a mix of both. You've been hearing so many things about the Raiders and, oh, we're about to get an inside look at all this crazy stuff that we've been hearing about what's happening with the Raiders. And then you go in there and it's kind of stabilized. It's boring. Like, Hey, none of these theatrics. The only thing you get is Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? And Uh, they did their best to move everything away from him. Like they, you know, they, they shielded him. They shielded the team from all that. Or there were certain episodes where they were like, yeah, just don't put the camera on Josh Jacobs, Cleveland, like none of our rookies. And you know, you can focus on, on our, uh, you know our bubble guys and that's it and Gruden was happy to make an ass of himself at times and and uh, you know they showed Derek Carr a little bit but for the most part there was nothing happening that that you're gonna see and it just shows you that Oakland is becoming you know and I know they've been a zoo and a circus forever but turns out that they're starting to become a well-run organization and like I said jury's still out on Gruden I'm in on Gruden but it just shows you that they're doing what every other other NFL team is doing at the moment yeah, but if nothing else, it also shows that uh, a bit of Mike Mayock's personality, that the team is also taking on a lot of Mike Mayock's um, personality of just, let's get down to business. Let's try to and turn this it. around. And let's get some wins. Let's, let's yep. get away from the theatrics and the bullshit. Let's just focus on football, getting better, and trying to win. You know what I'm saying? Yep. We're not going to be this clown show that we were beforehand. If you would got the Raiders last year, maybe it would have been entertaining. But this year, let's focus on football and trying to get better. And that's a good thing. It's not entertaining to watch all the time. That's why they don't see teams like the Patriots, because you ain't going to get to see shit. They picked right. the Raiders because they thought the Raiders would be a clown show, and it was not. And that, that is part of the reason why people were disappointed. Good. So, fuck them. <laughs> um, but also, man. let's talk about Jared Goff getting a bag. What do you think about that? Jared Goff uh, getting a win. I know me and you both have said that we are not fans of Jared Goff getting this type of money. But Jared Goff comes in. He gets $110 million guaranteed. Richest contract in history. Four-year, $134 million extension. How do you feel, man? For a guy that's played in three touchdown or three playoff games and thrown one touchdown. Um, you know, it just goes to show you, I think, that um, – Finding a competent quarterback, it's very hard to do in this league. And while you and I may not like Jared Goff, he's at least competent um, and can and probably won't lose you games. I don't think he's going to win you games. I don't think he's a dynamic quarterback. He's certainly not in the upper echelon of the the Aaron Rodgers, the the uh, the your 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 boy Kirk Cousins. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. But you know the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the you know the guys who really account for wins. I don't, I, I don't think they win because of Jared Goff, but I also don't think they lose because of him. But like I said, I think that, you know, that just shows you. If you find a quarterback that, that you know, can help win you ball games and he's competent, it's, it's easier than to roll the dice on, you know, a young guy who could turn out to be, you know, Nate Peterman or Josh Rosen. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, 
if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a big proponent of your market dictates how much you get paid. And I'm not going to change that with Jared Goff. I understand why Jared Goff got paid. I knew he was going to get paid because you have to pay him. I just said I wouldn't do it. Um, same thing Agreed. I said about Kirk Cousins. I mean, your market dictates your value. It has nothing to do with these intrinsic things that we put on from the outside. Like, oh, he needs to win. He don't got no playoff games, no Super Bowls, blah, blah, blah. That has nothing to do with it. In the NFL, you have to sign this contract for the next person to sign a contract, and it, it's a it's a stair it's like a stair step type thing. That's how people get paid. Once Carson Wentz signed his contract, you knew what Jared Goff was going to sign. Now you know what Derek um, Dak Prescott's going to sign for. You know these things off top. So no matter what people say, I think my biggest problem with this Jared Goff contract is how people look at Jared Goff. And how people look at Dak Prescott. And I hate that people put me in this situation because I hate the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan. But you can look at the media. You can look at what people say. Um, just a couple of, just like a month ago, they were like, Dak Prescott, 40 million. Oh, he's crazy. Blah, blah, blah. How is Jared Goff better than Dak Prescott? You know what I mean? Like, how is it justified that people can go nuts when Dak Prescott says he wants upwards of $40 million? And that's a that was a team-floated thing. That's not accurate. But people just go nuts. And then you turn around and Jared Goff gets $110 million guaranteed. He gets making $33.5 million. I was just talking to some friends, and they were like, yeah, you know, he, got, he, he proved he can get him to the Super Bowl. He can do that. And after he got done, I said, name one pass doing the playoffs that Jared Goff made. Just one. If it's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, we can name a moment like, oh, they did this, that. You tell me one thing that Jared Goff did in the playoffs that you remember. Not the Super Bowl, the whole playoffs. <laughs> Give me one thing that he did that stood out. But he will get credit for being a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, a team that can lead your team, and Dak Prescott's not. And that's kind of BS. So I think, I think we know why. Um Yeah. You know, it's it, the same. And, and Carson Wentz is my favorite quarterback. He's on my favorite team, but I would say the same thing to him. Yep. Carson Wentz has done nothing to say he deserves one hundred and seven million dollars and to think he's better than that because the injuries. You know what I'm saying? Whatever he hit, he did have those 13 to 14 games where he looked like the best player in the NFL. But overall, Dak has had a more consistent career than all these other quarterbacks. And I'm glad that he's waiting to last to get his contract because he's going to do a Russell Wilson. He's going to get paid, like super paid. He's going to get more than Carson. He's going to get more than Jared Goff. And if Jerry Jones keeps fucking around and keeps franchise tagging him, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And it's almost guaranteed at this point, And I love it. Yeah. I'm with you, and I hate the Cowboys. Don't particularly think Dak Prescott is that good of a quarterback, but, again, I, th- I I agree with you. Matter of fact, in my mind, Jared Goff and Dak Prescott, they're all in that same little boat to me, um, that, that third tier of quarterbacks. But, you know, I wouldn't pay – personally, I wouldn't, have, wouldn't pay either of them. But understanding how the NFL works, like I said, if you got a competent quarterback that shows that he's not going to lose you games, um, you just kind of got to pay him. Yeah, and so Dallas is setting up to have the highest paid running back in history and the highest paid quarterback in history. And let's not I forget Amari Cooper is coming right around the corner. Bro, they got to let him go. I mean, they, they just they just gave uh, Collins their right tackle $50 million. They, they just gave Demarcus gave Lawrence contract DeMarcus, this summer. They gave Zeke. Yeah. Now they got to do Dak. Then the, I mean, and they yeah. gave uh, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. 
They got um they cornerback Byron Murphy, who's yep. like an um Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. They're gonna have to pay him if not this year soon. I just don't see how they're gonna do these cap gymnastics and still fit Amari Cooper under the cap. And what he especially not at what he wants to get paid. Um, maybe they're just risking it and that he's gonna have a really down year and they can fit him into that thirteen to fifteen million dollar range. But he was saying he wanted somewhere in the eighteen to twenty or sixteen to eighteen. Yeah, so that's I Chris. I just don't see how they're going to be able to fit Amari Cooper in. I think they're going to. They're hoping Gallup will have a big year and that Randall Cobb looks good, so they can just let um, let let Amari go, which is the smart decision. All right, man. Let's. Um, I you know I don't really like breaking down games like like this from week to week. Um, it's opening season. Everybody's going to watch and we'll see the same shit. So uh, I do want to go over the over unders for for everyone though, and. Um, I'll let you, you can go over, you can go under, you can push. Um, let's start with the AFC East. Patriots, favored to win the division. Their over, under is 11 and a half. Oh, shoot, now I got to look at the games. I don't know all these games by heart. You, oh, you're just talking about over, under uh, the win, win total. Yeah. Oh, I got you. Under, 11 and a half, under. Do you think the Patriots win 11 games or fewer? Yes. Um, I don't see that. I'm I, I'm gonna take the over. I just that division is god awful. Um, and their schedule is pretty favorable. I wanna I wanna read to you the New England Patriots schedule for the first uh, six <laughs> weeks. They 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 barely are playing NFL teams uh, in the first six weeks outside of Pittsburgh. So yeah, they start off with Pittsburgh, which could go either way. Yeah, right. Week two at Miami. I think we'll call that a win. Probably. But they get one. Miami's going to get one. And they mm, do have Fitz Magic starting. I don't know if happen this year. Fitz Magic <laughs> is starting, though. But, I mean, it, but it's in week two in, in Miami. I'd say that the only way they can get them is that, you know, it's going to be 100 degrees in Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. is doing early season Ryan Fitzpatrick things. Yeah. But I think that New England's probably I'm just saying don't game. sleep on that. That's not a given based on the history. That's all but I'm saying. from week two to week eight, Let's hear the schedule. They got the, the Cowboys in there, don't they? Nope. The Dolphins. Uh, the Jets, who I think the Jets will be improved this year. I like ten, the Jets. Ten and six. Buffalo. The Washington Redskins. The New York mm. Giants. The New York mm. Jets. And then the Cleveland Browns. That's getting to week eight. And then coming out of that, they've got Baltimore, Philly, Dallas, Houston. So they're, they're, their schedule definitely tightens up at the end. Um, but then their last three again is Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Miami. So, um, I, but I don't know. In the first four, I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Four game. You got in your first eight games. You got four legit games. You got Pittsburgh. You got the Jets. Even though you're not all aboard, but the Jets twice division games. I think the Jets are much improved. And you got, um, and you got the Cleveland Browns. That's four, four and four. I mean, four games that you should win for that that are questionable. That's not a cupcake schedule. You got four legit contenders in there. If you count the Jets, you just you're just really down on the Jets. And then if you go even deeper, I think they have four. They have four division games in that eight. Didn't you say they played Miami and the Jets twice in the first eight games? No, they finished with Miami. Um, okay. I think people need to pump their damn brakes on Cleveland. Uh, I have there's been no evidence that Freddie Kitchens is a coach or is a good uh, coach. What he did at the end of last season, he was he did take okay. over and yeah. they won like five that in a row or something. That happens. Steve Spagnolo did that. 
homeboy for who passed a couple years ago, uh, who coached the Raiders and the Dolphins. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he did it. I mean, that happens. I'm not impressed with with that stuff, but yeah, but uh, that same team, that same team got Odell Beckham. Now the like offense couple, is definitely going to be solid, but that defense. Was that defense poor is good. Year. No, it wasn't. That yes, defense was. was not piss poor last year. It was no, not it was good not. last year. Nah, bro, you need to go back and look. That defense was not bad last year. There were a lot of the reason why they, they gave up that fifty run. points to the Raiders. I mean, but they. My point is, they can Every be beat team on has defense. some bad games. But I mean, this year, if you look at that defensive line this year, have you looked at it? They got um, Mel um, Garrett, who Miles Garrett, who's a monster. They got Sheldon Richardson now. That's in the middle, and they got ah, who's the other dude? I think he came from Miami. I'm not Miami. He came from the New York a defensive end. I gotta look it up. But yeah, that defensive line is massive. Like that defensive line is really, really good. Their linebackers are still good with Kirksey and uh, Schobert, whatever that dude's name is. All Joe. I'm saying is, I think people need to pump the brakes on Cleveland. They acting hey, like Cleveland that. is a 12, 13 win team. And that's just not the case. Wait till we get the over under. I think they're a twelve win team, man. All right, I think so they're gonna clearly win the division. But the, you got to stick with the AFC East. Finish the up. Jets seven seven and a half games over, over under over. I, I'm with you on the over. I don't trust Adam Gase. I think he sucks. But um, we you know we've talked about it the last few weeks. We know the Jets and their merry go round. Um, the Bills are at six and a half. Hmm. Six and a half is the problem. I'm going. Under, I think they win six. The Bills are improved. That defense is really good. Josh Allen came on strong at the end of the year. Um, I think that's about right for the Bills. I, I'll say. Do you think I'd they can win seven games? I think they're six and ten or seven and nine. I, I'd put them in that area. Yeah, I'd say I, I don't want to push. I don't like pushing, but that feels about right for me. I'd say I'd say six games, seven games for the Bills. Yeah, I'm and going the, under. I'm going six and under. And then you've got the Dolphins at four and a half. Dolphins at four and a half. Man, that's tough because I really want to go under. <laughs> yeah. Before that. Man, I think I might just push on this one. Four is the max that they can get. And that's yeah. just, yeah. I don't see more than four wins for the Dolphins. So I, I'll say I'll push on the Dolphins as well. Um, AFC South, the Texans. Are f- <laughs> this division is so garbage. Uh, the Texans I don't and think Jaguars. So. I think they're bad. I think they're better. Well, the Texans and Jaguars both are at eight and a half wins over under. Over on both. I, I like I like the Texans be like I like the Texans more now. Uh, I know people are down on Carlos Hyde, but I think he's a perfect fit for what they do in their offense and what they ask. They just want you to hit the hit the zone, fall forward. They don't want anything spectacular. Just be a bulldozer, run forward, fall forward. Um, I like the addition of Duke Johnson. That helps at the hurry up. Um, I like the addition of Tunsil to sure up the offensive line for what they want to do. And then you put Kenny Stills in that offense. If you can just get anybody to stretch the field and take the prop, take the pressure off of Hopkins, then that's gold. Now the defense will take a step back, but I think they're, they are a really good team. Yeah. I, I, I'd hit the over for the Texans. I think they win 10 games, 11 games, somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, they get, they got better and they won 10 last year. And, um, Jacksonville, I'm gonna like go them. under with Jacksonville. I, I see them as under a six eight. Seven. Yeah, so I think oh, see them man. as a six seven win team. That, that's that's where I, I see them at. 
I'm all in on Jacksonville, man. I think Jacksonville is an 11 to 12 win team this year. I think you're gonna show, you're gonna see similar to what you saw the year before. The only thing that really, really tore them apart last year was Blake Bortles, and I think Nick Foles. I don't think that Nick Foles is in the category of an Aaron Rodgers, but he's one of the ultimate game managers that I was talking about. He Leonard Fournette. I think he's gonna have a bounce back year. He's lost like 20 pounds. He looks very quick and agile. Um, that defense. I mean, I just. I think that it's over. I'm going over, man. I like I like the Jags this year. You know I took them to win the division, too. So, Got the Titans at eight games. Push. I think that's right in the range of what they should do. I think Mariota will be a nightmare, and they, they'll finally have to go to Ryan Tannehill, and they're going to be disappointed with that shit, too. Um, the running game, I don't think Derrick Henry's going to pull what he did before, but the defense is good enough to win some games. So, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven, but I would leave eight and eight. Yeah, I, I think the Dolphins are going to, or the, the Titans are going to be the, the Dolphins of this division. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be the mediocre team that, uh, you know, they're, I think, seven, eight, eight wins. The Dolphins will not be mediocre. You might mean the Bills. The no, I meant, I, mean. I meant the Dolphins, what they historically are. You can count oh, the Dolphins okay. go seven and seven and nine and nine and seven every year, and I think that's what the Titans are. I think they're classic Jeff Fisher team. They're either going to be seven and nine nine and seven eight and eight somewhere in that neighborhood but i think that's about right for them um so i'm but i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna push as well titans eight games i i, I take that um the colts are at seven and a half uh, ooh, that's a tough one i'm gonna go under because i think they're gonna be seven and nine i mean i like jacoby Brissett. i'm rooting for him. i like the fact that he got that two-year 30 million dollar contract which he apparent apparently negotiated himself which is pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. Maybe he could have had more with the leverage, but um, I just, I mean, I kind of saw what the Colts are with Jacoby Brissett. I don't think that they're going to be dynamic. Andrew Luck made a lot of those players look way better than they were. But I will say that Colts defense is really good, and that's one of the things that I was talking about when I'm when I'm talking about the um, the Chiefs and the NFC and the AFC West playing this AFC South, there's a lot of good defenses because that Colts defense is actually really young and really good. So, but I think there'll be a seven and nine team. So I'm going under the seven and a half. I'm actually gonna go over. Um, I think I think the Colts win eight games this year. Um, you can talk me into nine and seven, eight and eight. Uh, maybe flirt with the wild card for most of the year um, because that offensive line is good. That defense is really good, and they have playmakers. I mean, so it really does just come down to Jacoby Brissett, um, who I think you know is going to be improved, and I think that that he's going to show that he's a serviceable quarterback in the league. So um, I think they can win eight games. I think they can you know possibly win nine, maybe get a wild card. I doubt it on the wild card part, but I think seven seven to eight games is is about right for them. Let me throw this out there to you. Do you think this is a team that would really benefit from going out and getting a Melvin Gordon to give that first round or whatever that the Chargers are asking, just losing Andrew Luck, going out and getting a running back like Melvin Gordon? Because that's the only thing that really holds me back is I don't really trust Marlon Mack like that. But if they were to go and get a Melvin Gordon with the receivers that they have on the outside and that offensive line – I, and that defense, I think that could really propel them up to the top of the AFC South. I mean, I I think that 
yeah, Melvin Gordon's going to make any team better, but um, I'm not willing to. I wouldn't give up a first round pick for him if I'm. If, if you're I'm, the Colts, if I'm the Colts, not? no, because I don't think he's that much better than a Marvin Mac, uh, Marlon Mack, and uh. Hold on, hold on. I, that's that's one thing that I'd be having a problem with is the disrespect for Melvin Gordon. No, he's like, a great you go back, back and look at his stats. But I mean, above, you, you just said he's just as good as Marlon. I, Mack. I didn't say that. I, I didn't. I did not say that. <laughs> So, but what I said was, I'm not sure that he's that much better than Marlon Mack in that offense. Like, I just, I don't think that that's going to win you four or five more games having Melvin Gordon than it is having Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack. Now, the biggest issue with Marlon, Marlon Mack is if he stays healthy. But when they gave that dude the ball last year, when he carried over 20 times, I think they only lost like one game. I mean, it, it, he's good. I'm not saying he's Melvin Gordon good, but for that offense, yes, he, I, I think he's a good back for that offense when healthy. But you also got to remember, we're talking about just running between the tackles. Yeah, yeah, those numbers may look close just because Melvin Gordon's only playing like 10, 11 games. But he's putting up 13 overall. You know, he's catching 50 balls and getting five, six hundred, four or 500 yards in receiving. So he's a more complete running back than Marlon Mack. So that's what I'm talking about with that offense to have in that system that uh Frank Wright run is it Frank Wright? That's yep. is it yeah, that system that Frank runs, he comes from the Eagle and ha- he comes from that Andy Reid tree. Having a running back that can do it all is everything for them. So that's why that's what I was saying. In that system to have a uh a, a back that can run for a thousand and a back that could probably catch sixty balls if healthy. That's the only thing that's holding Melvin Gordon back is just his health. If he's healthy, he could easily go for 1,200 rushing yards and five, 600 yards receiving. I agree with that. I mean, I definitely agree with the talent. I'm just and a not much sure better offensive line than they have at the Chargers. Well, I mean, I think no we can agree that. on that. Yeah. All right, so the AFC North, you've got the Browns over under is nine games. AFC North? Yep. Oh, I'm going over. And the uh, other defensive end I was thinking about is Olivier Vernon. So they have Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, and uh, Sheldon Richardson all on their defensive line. That is a yeah. monstrous defensive line. That defense is going to be really good. That defense was better than the offense last year. So either way, neither here nor there, I'm going over. I don't like pushing as much as I have, but I think nine games is about right for them. Maybe ten. I, I don't see them winning uh 12 13 games i mean I, I just i think that's insane um they are talented i'm jury still out on the coach uh we'll see how baker mayfield does in his second year we'll see if that defense is actually improved um i don't see any less than 11 or 12 games man like i said i'm i think that defense is legit i think they're gonna cause nightmares especially if they get up if they get up on teams then with that defensive line, they're 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 just gonna cause offensive nightmares. I don't really have faith in all the other teams in the AFC North, so I like this team to win at least eleven games. But I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they won twelve games. So okay, you say that, but let's go off of their schedule real quick. So you've got they start the season at Tennessee, which is not going to be an easy game. Um, I think that, they can win. I, yeah, I think they can win, but Tennessee's defense is for fucking real. Um, that so, defensive line is facing Mariota. I mean, that's fair, and that that is what <laughs> what were the issues with the Titans. Um, but it's a, it, but the Titans could win that game. Um, you've got the New York Jets, who we both agreed are going to be new and improved. You've got defensive the, matchup for sure. You've got the Los Angeles Rams. You're in. You're they come to you, which is a plus. Yeah. But you have the Rams. That's you a tough have, game. 
You have the Ravens. I like them over the Ravens. Then you've got the San Francisco 49ers. I like them over the Niners. I like them over the Niners. But then you've got the Seattle Seahawks, the New England Patriots. Where are they playing the Seattle at? Seattle's coming to them. Okay, I like that then. You got your then you go to New England, to Denver, you get Buffalo, then Pittsburgh, Cupcake Miami, Pittsburgh again, Cupcake Cincinnati and Arizona, and then Baltimore Cincinnati again. I don't I, think they be, beat Baltimore twice in one year. I do. I, I I still say I'm going with at least 11 games on that schedule. No. I I can't I can't see it. That that's a that's a tough schedule. Those defenses that you're going up against the first the first 4 weeks I mean, if, or five out of the first six weeks with Seattle. But I mean, I mean that's going to be. That's what that's, I'm saying. The the balance of that offense. They, you have Nick Chubb back there, and you have the outside weapons um, in Landry and uh, uh, Odell Beckham. Like, and that's a that's balance. You got Baker Mayfield who can make plays. They're going to play fast, and then you have a monstrous defense. So just like you're looking at other team defenses, monstrous those offenses, defense. I am not willing to give them that. I think they well, have I'm a good defensive you. line. I, their that linebackers defense is going to be. A, I think it's Go going to be a good defense, not a great defense. I, I I I don't see twelve wins for this team. Absolutely not. We can agree to disagree. Let's go through the rest of the AFC North. So you've got the Steelers at nine games. Oh, that's a tough one, man. Um, I'm going under. I think Steelers mm. going to have a bad year. I'm going to go over. Um, they have not won less than ten games with with Mike Tomlin as their coach. Um, I I think that. They will have some addition by subtraction with Antonio Brown being gone. Um, now, that's not to say you can replace him with with just anybody, but Juju has proven to be a very good receiver. We'll see if he, you know, how he performs as the bona fide number one. I think he'll be fine. Um, it comes down to James Conner and Jalen Samuels. It comes down to really the rest of the weapons. Uh, but I think the Steelers will win ten games. Yeah, I'm gonna take uh, that back. I'm not gonna put them in like eight. I think they'll win nine games. I think it's kind of ridiculous to say that the Steelers win like eight games. They're not gonna be eight and eight. I think they'll win nine games. Um, I have a lot of questions marks about that run game. I'm not all in on James Conner, even though he did look good in the preseason. Traditionally, the line has been shaky. The outside weapons, I don't believe in, and I don't believe in Ben Roethlisberger's relationship with those young guys. I don't know if Juju can be the number one guys. We saw some holes when Antonio Brown wasn't in there, and that defense over the past couple of years hasn't been the elite defense that we know. So yeah, I'll go push it nine. You've got the Baltimore Ravens at eight and a half. Over. They're gonna figure out. Harbaugh figures out a win, way to win at least ten games. So I'm definitely going over there, yeah. even with Lamar Jackson. I'd take the over. I'll say that they're probably a 9-7 and seven team. Um, and I, like I said, I don't think the Browns beat them two get, twice in one year. I just don't. Um, Their defense is elite, though. I mean, they, yeah, they're fast. It is. Um, and then you've got the Bengals at 6-5. and five. Or, Sorry, um, at 6.5. Shit, I'm going under. I think the Bengals are going to be terrible this year. Like, bad, bad. Wholehearted agreement. Uh, I think the <laughs> Bengals win probably four games. Yeah. All right, let's go to the AFC West. You've got the Chiefs over under is ten and a half. <sighs> got to stay consistent in what I'm saying about them, but I think they could still put off eleven. I'll push ten and a half. I'm gonna go over. I think they win eleven or twelve games this year. Um, that offense is just gonna be for real. I think the addition of Lashawn McCoy and I, listen, we're we're not getting 2010 or 11 Lashawn McCoy whenever he came in the league, but 2013, whatever it was. But you, but you're getting a, a very good back, a back who I think is still at 31 better than Damian Williams. Um, but even if that's the case, I think that they're going to utilize both of them and keep both of them fresh. Um, sorry to all you 
darn Thompson owners out there in fantasy, <laughs> but uh, I, I think this uh, I think that's a, a, a move that's only going to help them. Shit, sorry to all the Damian Williams owner. The worst thing you can do is get a coach's favorite running back back on the team. I don't care how old he mm-hmm. is. That's just going to yep. destroy fantasy value. I don't want any parts of that shit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs will be good. I just, I mean, I just don't love the defense and the offense. I just feel like it's destined to take a step back. Whether I'm right or wrong, I just feel like that offense is destined to have some struggles. Still going to be really good. Andy Reid always has a good offense. I just don't think it's going to be the offense that you saw last year that was just, oh, my God, take over the NFL. Because there's no offense that's all, that's like that every year. You know what I mean? Even when Drew Brees had his 50-touchdown season, the next year, even Drew Brees take a step back. The Patriots, they're good at reinventing themselves every year, and even they start off slow sometimes. So I just, I just can't believe it's going to be that good again. You've got the Chargers at nine and a half. Chargers traditionally are consistent. They have a good team. Uh, Derwin James and being there is kind of big for me, so I'm going under. He is, he covered a lot of holes last year. Is he out for the year? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think he's on um, short-term IR. Yeah. I'm going to take the over for the Chargers. I think they win 10 games. Um, they're. I, I think that they're going to have to navigate uh, not playing with Melvin Gordon, which is going to be tough. Um, but I, I think they probably win 10 games. Um, the Broncos I go right at nine, so that's why I go under. Because you had nine and a half, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm going under because I think they'll win nine right at nine. The Broncos, uh, seven and a half. I'm going over, baby. You know, I got them picking to win the division. Um, you know, the Broncos are a tough team to read. I, I, they are. <laughs> I I could see them winning five games. I could see them winning nine games. Um. I'm gonna go under, I, but I, th- I don't say that confidently because I think Joe Flacco is gonna really help this offense. Um, I think the only know. thing that's holding you back is the offense. How bad? Because yeah, the really offense has been so bad over the last two years that if that offense is that bad, of course they're not gonna win. But let's just say they're not. I can't look at the Jags. So that's my problem. I try to be consistent. I can't look at the Jags team and say, "Hey, Nick Foles is going to change that team." even as being a game manager. And don't say the same for Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco is like Nick Foles. They can hit the big play. They can manage the game. They're not going to win games for you, but they're not going to lose games for you. And if you can just rely on the defense with a strong running game, which is the same thing with the Jags, I think they can be a good team. And they have better outside weapons with Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, Fant looks like he could be really good. So if they can just maintain on offense and put up some points and not just kill the defense, I think that's going to be a really good team. I actually think this is the hardest division in football. Um, I wouldn't go there. I think the NFC South. I think it's the – okay, well, at the very least, it's the best division in the AFC. Um, I don't know. You got I, the AFC North. If I'm, I think wrong, the, if I'm wrong and uh, if I'm right or wrong, if Cleveland is good, then you got Cleveland, Pittsburgh – and um, the Ravens. Yeah, I think either of these teams will put three teams into the playoffs. Either of these divisions, I should say. Um, the Broncos, seven and a half. I will, I'm going to say under. I, I think the Broncos win seven games. Um, but like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they won nine. Um, but I'll go under. And then you've got the Raiders at, at six. Hello. Push. I think this is about, about right where I think they'll finish. 
I do too. I think probably six or seven games. I'm gonna push with the Raiders. I, I think six and ten, seven and nine is about their neighborhood. Um, I the the Raiders and the Broncos to me, I think are, are both teams I could see I could see winning six games. I can see winning nine games. Um, I think both of these teams probably flirt with with AFC wild card. You know, probably up until about the end. Um, the Raiders' schedule is pretty hard, um, but. It wouldn't surprise me if they won nine. Wouldn't surprise me if they won six. But I'll I'll push on this one because I think six is is about right. But you have to be an optimist because it's your team. I just think this Antonio Brown thing is going to end very badly. I think it's going. I could be wrong. I just. I mean, it's off to it a wouldn't bad shock me start. at this point. Nothing will shock me. All right, let's quick. Let's go through the NFC real quick. Um, start with the NFC East. The Eagles are at ten and a half. Over. I think the Eagles win eleven games. Yes. Okay, um, I actually have them as the division winner here as well. I, I think that uh, I think the Eagles are will go over, winning probably eleven games, eleven twelve games. Um, they've got a really good team. That defense has improved. Uh, obviously, I don't have to tell you that. And um, you know that offense should be clicking. They've drafted. They drafted really well. They've got some young offensive talent to merge into. Um, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago the draft from Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard last year, JJ Arcega Whiteside this year, who had a really good preseason. Um, they they just have talent all over the offensive side of the ball with an already good defense. Yeah, and I think Deshaun Jackson is going to take a lot of pressure um, off of Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. So I think just the fact that he does what he does is going deep and really taking the lid off. The Eagles have been looking for that type of player. For a couple of seasons, they tried to sign Torrey Smith, and they signed Mike Wallace last year, and it just hadn't worked out for him. If if Sean Jackson can stay healthy and just give, like, you know, stay healthy for, like, 10 to 12 games and take the lid off that defense with Aguilar, then that offense can be really, really dangerous. Um because you know you already know what he's gonna you already know what Carson Wentz gonna do with Zach Ertz you already know Alshon Jeffrey but they really need somebody to back those corners and I think the cornerbacks will be better so I'm looking for them to win the division win 11 to 12 games. You got the Cowboys at nine games. I'll push because that's about where I think the Cowboys are gonna finish. I think they're gonna be nine and seven. I think the contract issues are gonna weigh them down a little bit. Could be wrong, but even with Dak and Amari, I still think that when you don't have a contract, you're still kind of thinking about protecting yourself, and that that affects effort. And so I just I think they're gonna be a nine and seventeen. Uh, I'm gonna go over with Dallas. I think they win ten games. They get into the playoffs. Um, that defense is good. Uh, and I agree with you about some of the, their offensive issues, but Zeke is a difference maker for them. Um, and like we talked about, if Dak can can do what he does and game manage and just not lose them games, um, they have a lot of weapons. So I mean, they have some. They definitely have some weaknesses uh, outside of Amari Cooper and Zeke. We'll see what Michael Gallup is. They've got nothing to speak of at tight end if they had to bring Jason Witten back. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think that, that they'll probably win. I mean, nine games is probably about right, but I, I think they'll win 10 and get in the playoffs. Um, you've got the Washington Redskins at six and a half games. Under. I 100% agree. Um, I think this team stinks. Uh, Case Giants are starting. Nothing, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants are at six games. Under. 
I'd agree. I, I think that team's a mess. You probably see uh, Daniel Jones at some point in the season. I'm betting. I'm well, hoping. you know, I, I go back. I'll say push because I do think you see Daniel Jones towards the end of the season. With Saquon Barkley, I think towards the end of the season, they'll win a couple of games. So I'll go six. I think six is a good number for the Giants. You got the NFC North. Um, this division is all right around the same. Uh, the Bears, Packers, and Vikings are all at nine and a half games. I got the Bears over, I got the Packers under, and I got the Vikings over. I think the Packers aren't going to be as good as people think they are. I think the Bears, I'm buying into the Bears hype, and I think the Vikings would be more the same. What we've seen, a 10-win team. I agree uh, on all three of those. I think the Bears win the division. I think the Packers are probably going to win seven games. Um, I just, I I don't think there's a ton of talent on that team. I don't care what anybody says. Um, And then the Vikings, I, I would say probably... The the Vikings are tough. I and I, I would I would kind of want to push with them, but I'll go over. I think they win ten games. Um, probably a playoff team, uh, but I'd say you know, eight eight or nine games is probably. I could see it, but I, I think they'll win ten games. Um, Kirk Cousins is a good enough quarterback, and they've got weapons. Their defense is good. Um, I, I like the Vikings. I, I I'm I'm out on the Packers, um, and then you've got the Lions at six and a half. I think the Lions will be over. I think this is a year where they'll be better. I don't think they're going to necessarily be good, but I think the Packers are going to be the last team in this division, and that means that the Lions would have to win more than six games, in my opinion. So I'm looking at the Lions to be in the eight-game mark. Maybe um, maybe sneak a nine-game season. I'm going to go under. I think that Matt Patricia has been exposed. Um, you've got Matthew Stafford who's just waddling away and wasting his life away in, in mediocrity. Carry um, on Johnson, I mean, good good player, but hasn't been able to stay healthy going all the way back to college. Um, obviously, I, I like T.J. Hawkinson, uh, but that's not you know rookie. If you're depending on a rookie tight end, you're screwed anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, so I I don't see it for the Lions. I, I don't I don't think they're well coached. I don't think they're a very good team. Man, um, that defense is good though. Gosh. They do. Have, they have some pieces on that defense, but <laughs> that, that offense is devoid of talent yeah i think um, i think we'll see a bit of a breakout year for carry on johnson i actually I like so. kenny galladay i think he'll break out a little bit um i like the addition of tj hawkinson because now you give matt stafford another big target and he can actually fare well with big targets so i, I mean i like i like this team i'm not saying that they're gonna be a super bowl winner or something but i think you're gonna see them be better than they have been in the past all right nfc south you've got the saints are at uh Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Oh no, uh, under. I think they're a ten win team. Uh, I agree with you. I think they're a ten win team. Um, the Falcons are at eight and a half. Over. I think Falcons win the division this year. I'm not sure they win the division, but I definitely think that they are over eight and a half games. I, I think they're probably a ten and six. I, I think that you'll see. Um, well, I think the Saints. I changed my mind. The Saints. I think the Saints or the Falcons are probably going to win 10 or 11 games. Um, I like the return of Devontae Freeman healthy. I do too. Um, I like the fact that I think Calvin Ridley now with another season under his belt with Julio Jones, um, uh, Sanu, I like that. So Matt Ryan should be a little bit more comfortable. Defense, hit or miss, I don't know what they're going to – I never know what the Falcons' defense is going to do. But I think that offense is going to be really good with the – 
removal of Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> the biggest thing with Atlanta's defense is health. Um, Keanu Neal coming back from a torn ACL. Deion Jones missed most of the season last year. I think a torn pack or something. And then um, Tark McKinley missed time last year. But they've got they've got some good pieces on defense. So um, I can see both these teams winning 11 games. I'll go over for the Saints and the Falcons. Um, the Panthers are at eight games. I go over. I think the Panthers should be good enough to win nine games. Like I said, I think this is the best division in football. I wouldn't even be surprised if you have two 10-win teams in this division. Um, I'm going to push with the Panthers. I think that's right about where they are. They're in between that seven and nine game range to me. Um, so I'll, I'll say eight wins sounds about right. Um, and then you've got Tampa at six and a half. Under. Under. I, I think Tampa's probably... Outside of the Cardinals and the Dolphins, the worst team in football. Um, yeah, I changed. I know. I know we were talking about this when we did the preview, and I thought, you know, that you know Tampa would be better and then like six or seven wins. But since then, man, I haven't seen nothing that gave me any faith that this team is going to be any good. That offensive line is terrible. Their running backs still look terrible. Jameis Winston looks awful. Um, I know they're trying to use. They thought Byron Leftwich would help him. But only thing I've seen on that team that looks good is Godwin and Mike Evans. They're going to be down a lot. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Oh, and O.J. Howard. But I don't see anything about the defense. I don't see anything about that offense that's spectacular. Those dudes might win three games. Yeah. Oh, throw Cincinnati in that that pack as well. Of I think I think those are all four. Those are your three and thirteen, four and twelve teams there. Um. All right, man. Let's get to NFC West. The Rams are at ten and a half games. Ten and a half, yeah. I can see them winning eleven games. Well, no, because I mean, I, I don't know, because I think Seattle's gonna win that division. So I go under because I think they'll win ten games. I'm gonna go over for the Rams, uh, just simply because you get the 49ers and the Cardinals, who I think are. The 49ers will be better. I mean, I still haven't seen evidence that Jimmy uh, Garoppolo is actually a good quarterback, so I'm not willing to put in any chips on him. I think Cardinals stink, um, and that I think that's you know probably four wins they can get right there. Um, I'm gonna go over with the Rams. Um, the Seahawks well, I just, are. I agree. The only reason I can't go over because if I got the Seahawks winning, I'm not sure you know want to win 12 and want to win 11. So just by right. default. I gotta go with the um, with the Rams at ten games, unless the Seahawks win like twelve or thirteen, which I don't think that's gonna happen. Seahawks are actually at eight and a half uh, for their over under. Definitely over. I think this team is gonna surprise people. I think that defense is gonna be better. The addition of Clowney doesn't make me think any different. So, uh, and then on offense, they are. I mean, they got Metcalf. They have a lot of question marks, but this offense has always been led by Russell Wilson, just running around in circles, making plays. So I don't think that'll change. I just think that Chris Carson will stabilize. They'll be able to run the ball more consistently. They'll they'll make Chris Carson the bail cow. Now, as long as he stay healthy, I think this is going to be a really, really good team and a tough team to beat, especially in Seattle. I agree. I think they went over um, 10 games. I think it, I think that they and the Rams are clearly the, the cream of the crop here. And um, if Seattle won this division at winning 12, 13 games, it wouldn't shock me at all. Um, the 49ers are eight and a half games. Under. I think that team is going to be terrible, too. All the Jimmy G hype, I think, has been overplayed. He didn't look great before he tore up his knee, and now he's coming back from a knee injury. Somehow, Tevin 
um, Tevin Coleman is behind Breda on the depth chart, which does not look great because Breda, even though he's a hard runner, that dude's made of plastic. Not even plastic, paper mache. So, I mean, the receivers are terrible. I don't like any of the receivers. Um, I'm not going to say they're terrible. They're young. They're inexperienced. They're, they they do nothing for me at this point in time. They do have a good defensive line. Their defense could be solid, but everybody in this division's defense is solid. Defense isn't going to win you the division. Nope. Yeah, I, I see them as a five or six win team. I, I don't think the Niners are any good. Um, and then you've got the um, – by the way, they had to put Jarek McKinnon on IR again. So they, they yeah, paid tough. him – all this money and he won't ever play a down a down for the 49ers pretty crazy Um, that's actually good though because you i'm pretty sure those contracts are insured i'm not sure if yeah they are they get they get like 80 percent of it if they don't you know of the contract back or something um and then you've got the lowly arizona cardinals at five and a half games man hey i hate to say it just because kyler murray's my boy but i gotta go under man i think they win three to four games they're in that same pile that we were talking about and with that offensive line i wouldn't be surprised if they win if they only win two games because that offensive line is terrible anytime you blitz them and i'm not sure that kyler murray is kyler murray's gonna have to adjust to playing under fire because he's Never really done that. I think the closest he got to that was playing at Texas A&M as a freshman, and he didn't look great then. So I'm, I'm going to have to go with them winning two to three games. Two to three games? Oh. Um, you know, it's tough to be able to say who wins, you know, two games. I mean, that that's never easy. To, but, uh, yeah, I'd say probably about four games is their ceiling in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm way under on the Cardinals. So, um that's it, man. Um, I, I think there's going to be some pri- some surprises. You're definitely higher on a couple of these teams than I am. Um, you know, I think you're unrealistic. I'm not, man. I think you're going to be wrong. Twelve games for the Browns. That's twelve grains for the Browns, man. I don't think that division. Like, uh, I think that the Ravens are going to be good, but I don't think the Steelers are going to be good. If the Steelers aren't good, and the Cincinnati Bengals aren't good, and the Ravens are a ten win team. Browns can win twelve games, and you're, you're gonna sit. You're gonna sit here and tell me that the Raiders aren't gonna win twelve games somehow. No, I mean, well, I mean, over the next three seasons, they'll probably win twelve. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> uh, yeah. Shit, I won't be here long. Uh, I'm jumping off that bandwagon. Um, all right, man. That's what we got. Anything you want to get to before we get out of here? You want to talk about how how bad this uh, this FIBA team is looking? You know, I was going to talk about him until I tried to watch the game, and these punks tried to charge me four ninety nine to watch this garbage. Can you oh, believe no. that? They oh, had – you, you. I thought it was just going to be on NBA TV. So I tried to check them out at 8 in the morning. I woke up at 8. Well, I was already up. But I tried to check out the game. I was planning on calling in late, you know, to check out the game. And they tried to make me – actually, I was late because it started at 7. I didn't know it was Eastern. So it was already at halftime. But then I pull up the app. And it said four ninety nine to watch the Group A division play. I was like, really? For this squad? Nah, I'll pass. Yeah, no, there ain't no way. No, thank you. Um, as such, I am not so sure that this is even a bronze team. Um, Jason Tatum said to miss the next two games also. Even yep. though this is just pool play, but Jason Tatum being out is couldn't be good for the team. Rolled his damn ankle. Um, which is funny to me because Bill Simmons, who is 
you know, everyone knows who Bill Simmons is, but he's the biggest and most annoying Boston homer on the planet. Um, but anyway, he tweeted out at Devin Booker. He was like, oh, <laughs> Devin Booker watching this game. Surely he's going to get better working with his 5'9 trainer, um, you know, instead of playing <laughs> real basketball in the offseason. Then 14 minutes later, he tweeted, oh, no, Jason Tatum just got hurt. And yeah. the internet had a field day with him. Yeah. So uh, doesn't pay to be a hater. It really doesn't. And I, I like Bill Simmons, but, man, it, it, fuck, man. The, the, the Boston homerism just drives me nuts. Um, but anyway, man, yeah, I think this team sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> really no nice way to put that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that they're even a bronze team at the moment. Hopefully they surprise me, and hopefully this will get the real cats to come back out in 2020 or, or, or 2024, whenever it is. So, uh, uh, it, it I really, I do really respect, though, how much better international basketball has gotten and how many NBA players on each team. Because you go back oh, to no before the Dream Team, it is crazy that every – like almost every international team has at least two quality NBA players on there. And now, shit, Greece has the best player in the NBA on it. How crazy is that? Even though they just got whooped up by Brazil. Yeah, and they talk bad to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Greece soft and everything. All right, yeah, that's uh, it, man. That's it. That's y'all. That's all. We'll holler at y'all next week. Enjoy this NFL real game. Uh, NFL kickoff tomorrow with the uh, Packers and the Bears, man. We'll holler. Peace. Peace.